to Hashtag Travel Talks. It's your podcast on the latest digital trends in travel and tourism marketing. And here's your host, Nolly Nicholas. Welcome to a new episode of Travelcast. And today I have the great pleasure to receive Julia Jones. So welcome, Julia. Thank you. So can you tell us about yourself, please? So I am the chief exec of uh, a company called Found in Music, and we have been working with clients in the private sector and public sector since 2003, helping them use music for placemaking strategies and customer engagement. And uh, so can you tell us about your background? How did you end up working with the, in that particular field? So I started as a sports psychologist in the 1990s, um, studying the effects of music on neuroscience and how music uh, affects the human brain. And we were using that with Olympic athletes, with uh, the British Olympic teams leading up to the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games, helping them to use music um, to motivate themselves, to build confidence, to control anxiety. And uh, after I moved out of the sport and health sector, I started using those same neuroscience principles to show brands and um and destinations, how to use those same principles of, of, of using music to engage uh, their target audiences. And uh, so that crosses many sectors. We, we, do, uh, we run street performance programs for the Mayor of London. Uh, we do music tourism strategies for destinations. We do a lot of experiential activations. And we do music strategies for uh, health organizations. So it's very, very diverse client base. Yeah. So I contact you because you spoke at the WTW in London on the topic that uh, for white paper on music and tourism. Yeah. And the title was Music is a New Gastronomy. So can you tell us why is yeah, um, so the United Nations um, World Travel Organization had released several white papers looking at the effects of uh, special interest groups on, on tourism. So uh, looking at people's interest in wine and vineyards and how that can drive tourism and looking at um, food and to see how people's interest in food could could drive tourism to to, to local areas of, of sampling local dishes, and so we uh, we could see that that at that point the United Nations hadn't hadn't drawn attention to the huge value that music can deliver to to a destination um, when it's curated well. So we wanted to show that people can you know they consume music and and get mass enjoyment from music uh, and. In, in a similar way to food and drink. Yeah, because it's true with a lot we think, uh, we thought of say, about, for example, food, wine, or monuments, but less about music, because I think people considered as part of the country, so that they didn't think as a new gastronomy, as you put it. And uh, what do you think, what, what makes... What makes music meaningful in tourism? 
Um, well, I mean, there, there are two drivers really for uh, in terms of tourism because you have the local music that that is part of the fabric of the destination. So often there are um, particular styles of music, um, different different genres around the world that are very well uh, well known for those for those areas. And in some places there is incredible music heritage. So there are many cities that really maximise their music heritage, like Nashville, uh, Liverpool, um, destinations, you know, Berlin with the Iggy Pop and David Bowie era and and many other examples of that across classical as well as um, popular music. So um, you you have the, the sort of the local angle where you can exploit that and leverage it to drive tourism. But you also have the the curated element where there are many destinations now that are simply hosting really high quality music festivals and driving traffic that way so it's it's nothing to do with the history or the the local music of the destination it's just a great location great music and that draws in the target audience uh, we worked with visit greece and a small um, a region in crete several years ago to help them put together a beach festival called the Matala Beach Festival. Okay. And that was uh, a free festival on the beach in a fishing village. And uh, it was it was it was loosely themed around the 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 fact that in the 1970s, in the early 1970s, Joni Mitchell travelled through there and stayed in the caves on the cliff. Okay. And, and many people who who travelled the hippie trail um, through to India, through Europe to India, they used to stop at this beach. And so we helped put together a, a 1970s themed festival with a lot of tribute artists as well as emerging artists so you know Janis Joplin tribute and the Doors tribute and 25,000 people turned up on the beach and and it's still running eight years later it's it's an incredible uh you know just a, a beautiful environment and great music and loads of people having a great time and indulging in the local food and drink and Obviously, that drives revenues um, because all the local hotels and the campsites and everything f- sell out during that <laughs> festival period. And it drives secondary spends across local heritage sites when people, you know, they stay for longer than just the two days of the festival because this this attracts people from all over the world. Um, so there are there are several ways that that destinations can benefit throughout a longer term by by really exploiting any heritage that they've got or even just a high quality scene you know <laughs> many places just have really great music generally and so to help promote that to people in different regions can help drive tourism so do you think also we can have because now we have a kind of trend with instrumentable i would say location can you say that we also have musicable This nation also. Well, sorry, I missed that. Can you say that again? Yeah, actually, we can. Ha- we have some location who are said really good on Instagram, for example, photos and so on. And yeah, can we say also that we have we can have also destination we are I would say musical able. 
it's a new world that I just created. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because there are there are places that that are leveraging their music yeah. scenes. Do you mean? Yes. Yeah, I think there there are some destinations are doing this in a much more sophisticated way than other destinations, and because some some destinations and regions don't realise that 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 they have a very rich music scene they don't they don't necessarily need a legacy um but if they currently have a very rich scene and a rich rich uh you know street performance in public spaces and music in bars and and just a great vibe generally vibrant social um scene then uh, destinations don't showcase that enough i don't think um obviously some places are are already doing that exceptionally well and there are there are places that that the first thing you think of is music like Ibiza and uh you know a, a lot of locations and Coachella and there are destinations that are tied very closely to music but there are other regions that really aren't exploiting this. And we, we spoke with, um, we were chatting with lastminute.com about drivers of, of travel. And they did a campaign called Music Makes You Travel because when they looked at the data, one of the main reasons for travel is music. So it's a lot of people going to festivals uh, it's a lot of people going and going to places that they know have very vibrant music scenes, um, especially in Europe. There's a lot of travel. Um, and I think that we're only really scratching the surface of the potential around music tourism because no one's really thought of it. You know, it's, it's not a, it's quite a new, It's it's not new in terms of, people traveling for music reasons, but it's new in terms of a way of thinking and around strategy. Okay, so because maybe people are not traveling because they want to see, for example, uh, particular monuments like in Rome, but also because they want to have, to taste, I would say, the sound or the music of a particular region. For example, if I want to listen uh, local music, I don't know, tradition in Italy. I can yeah. go to a particular place near from Sicily or something somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Well I think I think in, in tourism campaigns, I don't think destination uh I don't think destinations make enough of their music of their music offer. It's almost a, a kind of a, a byproduct that you stumble across it if, yep. if you know about it or if you try and look for it. Um, but it's not it's not showcased as a as a, an asset of a region in many places. And there 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 is just a huge appetite for music across lots of different generations. This is not a youth. Um, this is not just def, you know confined to youth audiences. People who are retired and in their 50s, 60s and 70s who are traveling extensively mm-hmm. invented popular music. You know, they, they were the ones that grew up with Elvis and the Beatles and 50-year-olds now were punks. You know, that music is in their DNA. 
And so this is very much a multi-generational opportunity that destinations could be really extracting a lot more value from if they, if they really embedded it properly into their strategies. And especially talking about strategies, how destination can tap into, I would say, in that opportunity with music? Well, I think firstly, a lot of destination marketing um, organizations don't necessarily know the asset, the music assets that they've got. And a good starting point is, is to just, you know, do a very basic audit to see, right, actually, what, you know, what is the music of our region? Where, where is the music happening Where, where can we help the music happen more often? How can we, how can we showcase the music scene that's already happening to a wider audience outside of our region? How can we tie that in and create partnerships between restaurants and local musicians? How can we amplify that? Because all of these destinations are putting together marketing campaigns every year for their tourism offer. But music is very, it's, it's usually neglected. You know, it's, it's very rarely uh, a prominent part of that campaign. And I think that, that there, are, there are quite straightforward steps to, to start, start doing that. So we meet a lot of regional um, tourism executives and I ask them what their local scenes are like. And they don't know because they don't go to those venues So they don't actually know what the offer is. So just a very basic audit, you know, give, gives um, intelligence that can then be used in a strategic way to drive marketing campaigns. Yeah, and so, for example, let's think that they did that audit, but what is the next step for in their strategy? Well, to build on, on the existing offer, um, you know, we, we help destinations try to, try to take their existing offer up to another level by either creating bigger festival events that are one-off events um, or multiple venue events. So like the... Um, So the Great Escape, for instance, in Brighton, where you have lots of venues and South by Southwest Festival and Austin City Limits, where you have lots of lots of venues just become part of a music campaign for, for a weekend or across certain dates. And those sort of campaigns can become very powerful. You know, the example that I gave in, in Southern Crete, that, that festival is actually quite a straightforward festival, but because the whole region gets involved in it, it's become very powerful and drives, uh, you know, it, it drives their profile across the world throughout the whole season, not just the one weekend when the festival happens. So I think that, you know, that there is the scope for destinations to, to become more ambitious of Firstly, looking at what their music offer is already to see what venues there are, to see what local talent there is, see how that music is being embedded in restaurants, in bars, in music venues, in public spaces, and then see how, with a more ambitious mindset, how there could be signature events 
that are put in place um, at certain points through the year, sometimes in the shoulder season, for instance. So when, when you're experiencing much less tourism, to try and put in an event that can help drive tourism during quieter times. Okay. Do you think also that music it's another would say good way to preserve local culture? For example, from ancestral tradition from I don't know, which any country. Yeah, I mean this it's you know, it's it it's very much um music is the genetic code of places around the world and wherever you travel it's always fascinating to see not not only the different songs and the different languages but also the different instruments sometimes you know I've just come back from China and they have a very distinctive sound because they have instruments that are that are native to China that you don't necessarily see played elsewhere and music you know goes back generations and generations before humans had invented language they were communicating through music and through rhythm and song and dance and sounds so it's and that used to be the way that stories were told to generation after generation was through you know that kind of folk music and traditional music so it's a very important part of cultural heritage And and people like to see that, you know, the the native because we, we don't want to go to lots of different places around the world and just hear the same music <laughs> which is being played yeah. on the radio. You know, it's <laughs> it's not it, it, you know, yeah, yes, it's good to go and see a band that you really love in a beautiful destination somewhere different that you've never been before. That's exciting. But it's also really exciting to throw yourself into the local music scene and find the little bars and the little clubs and the and the local bands and the local talent and look at the the how you know even though we're on a relatively small planet there, there's such a lot of fascinating cultural infrastructure around the world that dates back centuries Um, and even further in China, you know, the heritage is is incredible. So it it makes it makes travelling a lot more interesting. I think when you dive into the deep fabric of a destination. Okay. Also, do you think also that destinations must, in some kind of way, for example, via podcast, share their local music, for example, in order to promote their destination in another way than. I would say posting videos on YouTube, on Facebook also, but also use like, um, say, audio apps, for example, uh, SoundCloud yeah. in their marketing mix. Well, that was that was one of the things that um, ProColumbia, which was um, ProColumbia were the, so that's a Colombian um, tourist agency. They were one of the partners in the white, paper um they were one of the instigators of, of the the piece of work and they were looking at you know creating an album of local talent to put that music up onto soundcloud and to have that as an embedded part of their campaign because there is a lot of um you know technology now that that enables destinations to to do a really 
good job of that. And Brand USA actually did a did a absolutely incredible campaign last year uh, called America's Musical Journey, and it was about the history of of modern music in America. So looking at the very early um, music that workers would were uh, creating in the fields in in the southern states and how that influenced jazz in New Orleans and how that trickled on and how through Tennessee and in Nashville and the country sounds and then other bits came to the melting pot and created rock and roll and you know it was it was that they were looking at that history and they created a 3D film which which was you know I, I saw in the theater and it was amazing and they've done some other of social media off off that now not not every destination is going to have the budgets of brand USA <laughs> of course, yeah. but, it do, but it doesn't have to be expensive you know I mean so, some of the guerrilla style um DIY sort of sort of uh, digital media activations can be just as powerful if it's really done well and around stories of local you know interesting local stuff and uh and music and and also tying um local talent and looking at obviously what what they're the music that they're making now but looking back at what influenced them so asking them about their influences and where those came from and how you know where they learned music and where they first were exposed to music and there, there's a lot of storytelling that can be done around music um, and storytelling is extremely powerful in marketing at the moment you know not not just for destinations but for brands yeah. in general so but it is a crowded digital environment that we live in it's it's hard to to reach people because we're exposed to so much content. So there, there needs, you know, you either need something that is so powerful it goes viral or, or it needs to be thought out as, a, as, a, as a, a wider campaign that can have much broader reach. Yeah. So my last question, and which is quite personal, is... What was your most memorable travel? Well, well, definitely my most memorable travel was when I was 18 and I was living in Wales, in the UK. And in the 1980s, Wales was like a million miles away from anything at all. It was just felt so remote. And I was really into, I got into the sort of New York scene of CBGBs and the Ramones and television and Patti Smith mm -hmm. and Blondie and that whole thing that was happening over there. So when I was 18, I bought a, a ticket and I flew to New York because I really wanted to go to CBGBs. And the whole experience of going to New York and around the East Village was just amazing. You know, this is the 1980s. And then I got to CBGBs and they wouldn't let me in because I didn't realize you had to be 21. 
Um, so I went all that way and I could only stand outside CBGB's and then fly back to Wales, which is a bit disappointing, but it was, it was so, it was so inspiring, um, that, uh, and I, I actually, when I flew back to Wales, I ended up starting my own band and, and okay. really getting uh, yes, seriously. yeah, <laughs> and I, I did, you know, in later years go back to New York and I did go to CBGB's, which is sadly now no longer there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's now a, she? it's now a boutique clothing store. <laughs> Gentrification at work. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Julia, thank you for your time. And how can I can we reach you? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter, uh, Doctor Rock UK. So D R R O C K UK. Um, And uh, my website is foundinmusic.com. So, yeah, feel free to get in touch. <laughs> okay, thank you, Julia. Thank you for your time. And uh, I'll wish you all the best for your venture. Great. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks. Thank you.